Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined in person by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everybody. We are at Midgardsblot, and we're sitting here with Tim Nancaro, who is a PhD student at the University of Newcastle in, in Australia. Australia. Yes. Yeah, I've come not the other way. one. And uh, <laughs> he is also a ritual specialist who does uh, suspension rituals and a bunch of other funky mm -hmm. things. So we are very happy to talk to you, man. Welcome to and the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's very, very privileged. Feel very honored to be uh, asked to come along. Thank you. Otherwise, I'd just be, you know, swanning around getting up to mischief. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll be up to that tonight. Absolutely. Uh, Matthias, say where we're sat. Well, yeah, so we're sitting on one of the mounds at Bora in uh, Norway, southern Norway. This is one of the most awesome historical locations for Viking Age. Anything that you could be at, very sacred site. This is amazing to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to be sat on one of the mounds where I, I don't know what was found in here. A ship, I'm Things. hoping. <laughs> Things. It's cool stuff, I guess. Dead, dead Vikings and all their stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so really, really like a location for kings. Like you can see the mounds. They're incredibly big compared to a lot of other Viking Age mounds that you see out there in the landscape. So this was a really important location. And I guess the one just over there, yeah. Uh, though we can't see, that looks like a rock mound, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, nice contrast. Yeah. Well, I think that's the difference between the, some of the mounds are that some are earth mounds and some are like yeah. rock yeah. burials where they just pile a bunch of rocks on. Yeah. I mean, that's also a way to build a mound, right? With the <laughs> but, contrast different. Yes. But a little, not so far away from here is also the location Shiringsal which was a uh, local magnate's um, estate, essentially. We don't know exactly if it was, if you can call him a king or a chieftain or whatever, but uh, he had a, a, they had built a, uh, a huge Viking hall with uh, burial mounds uh, on the side of the road. There was a little uh, shipping port and everything, and uh, it was... It was an incredibly important uh, location too in the Viking Age, um, so yeah, we are we are definitely in, the you know, right in, place. Good, <laughs> in good company here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's talk about the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. talk about that. That's why you're here. So that's why we're sat here because this thing fascinates me. So when I saw on the on the the program, I guess that you're gonna sacrifice yourself from a tree. Uh, obviously. Odin comes to mind that whole story um yeah I guess what is the sacrifice to start with what are you what are you going to be what are you going to be doing specifically let's start there rather than okay. the yeah yeah all right so the so the ritual is comprised of three different rites so initially there's a, a warding rite so I you know going through uh Islending Saga and Fornaldo Saga so uh, saga literature particularly and then some of the stuff out of uh, Eric Vedi so uh Eric poetry looking at all of the you know like the different little snippets when they talk about uh ritual practices being carried out so uh Greenlandinger saga um uh, the the seeress comes to the farmstead comes to the settlement the property and she's raised up high kind of you know a little bit of like a, a recurrent uh, motif of continuity if you go back to um guild beginning so there's High, just as high, most high. You know, yeah. it's the, the you know the sort of the three stages of uh, Odin playing the trick on uh, Gilvi, the, the Swedish king. So she's up high. She's got uh, animal pelts, hides, things like that. Um, 
and she calls upon the owners of the farmstead and says, you know, you, you need a local girl that's that's been schooled in like the old way that can perform the chants. And so these chants are using, uh, you know, using sound, music, using invocation to try and create like a warding barrier. So uh, as with a lot of, you know, Odinic things and the pursuit of arcane knowledge, uh, you know, you, you're trying to access a liminal space. And a lot of the time it's, uh, either knowledge from the the, the Yotna, the, the giants, mm -hmm. or it's knowledge from the dead, that which we as you know, living mortal yeah. people, for whatever reason, we're not allowed to know it. So to try and create the right sort of uh, space where you can access that, there's obviously um, certain dangers that are inherent. And uh, my perspective from a lot of the, um, you know, like these descriptions of different rituals, the dead are often the harbingers of this secret knowledge. Um, same saga when uh, the lass's name escapes me, but it's uh, one of the sons. Um, <laughs> one of the sons of Edith the Red. Yeah. And when he dies, um, it's when like a plague goes through the the village, is, and a couple this, of people is die. That the in there. Of the... yeah. 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 So he falls ill um, and basically carks it, and then his body gets up again and goes to his wife and says. You will be long lived and you will move to Iceland and you will have, you know, this, this wonderful family and all of this stuff. And she's uh, up until that point of revelation, she's quite concerned. And she goes to, to uh, one of the other, one of the other males there, one of the other warriors and says, look, you know, he's, he's up and around and he's trying to talk to me and I, I, I don't want to go into the other room. You know, there's this, this trepidation about engaging with the, you know, the dead, whether they're, you know, recently deceased or it's, you know, Droga crawling up out of the mounds all bony and fucked up. Um, Hopefully so, that doesn't happen now. Yeah, well, <laughs> fingers, yeah. Fingers, fingers crossed. This yeah. would be the place, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you defeat him, you're going to get an awesome sword out of it. So there's that. I wouldn't say no, but, you know, once <laughs> once I'm up, I'm kind of going to, you know, very much be at the mercy of, uh, of the gods and the uh, the, the Vated of, mm -hmm. of the land. So there is a certain... Uh, intention to try and appease them and acknowledge them that you know I, I don't normally belong in that space and I'm only visiting and uh, mm -hmm. you know trying to create you know I suppose like the right sort of ritual mindset because yeah. it's it's as much about preparing the body which you know we'll get to um, as it is about preparing the mind so uh, yeah the way I build these rituals up is I take um, aspects and descriptions from saga literature, from Eddic poetry, and then look at, you know, so what does the material record, the archaeology tell us? You know, we look at uh, Leida or uh, uh, Hofstadter in Iceland, you know, there's lots of severed heads, animal bones, these sorts of things, and then looking at the bodies as well. Um, and trying to, trying to piece together an approximation of what we think it might have looked like, and then doing my own thing with yeah. it as well, you know, playing with elements that are familiar from, you know, the historical record, the mythological record, and then making that make sense mm -hmm. for my uh, particular personal circumstances. So, what's the what's the ritual going to look like itself? How much can you tell us beforehand? I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. You don't have to don't, don't no, 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 no. I, I won't. I won't delve into it too much. So there's. Give us the exclusives. It's all right. There's a. <laughs> there will be a. A ring of skulls and bones. Okay. Initially, all right. So this is so this is like the warding ring. So this is this is the enclosure to contain the energy mm -hmm. to create a, a space for me to feel comfortable to you know basically you you know mm -hmm. wander away without drugs. Um, 
Don't do drugs, drugs kids. Yes, drugs, drugs are very, very bad. Um, I've got two, two of Vicky's mates who were just lovely. So Brigitte and uh, Pierre, they're, they're doing drumming. So that's going to help with creating a wall of sound. Okay. So droning intonation. So looking at, um, yeah, taking different sort of shamanistic techniques. Mm -hmm. um, so initially there'll be some uh, invocations in Old Norse, sort of, you know, sanctify and make sacred the space. Okay. Um, you know, try and call upon the old father. So, you know, hunger good, God, mm -hmm. God, of, God of the hung. And uh, from there, there'll be a shedding. So I have like a, you know, like a, <laughs> a wizard robe thing, a, a shaman's oh, cloak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Made it myself. It's, it's no, it's, it's it's pretty dodgy. But the idea is <laughs> the the idea is to initially approach um, as a, as an unknown. Right. So, okay. so the, the idea, so it, part of it's me, you know, it's a very personal thing offering myself up to Odin for all of the ways in which I feel he's enriched and enhanced my life and given me cognitive memory, passion, poetry, all of these different capabilities that perhaps I lacked as a much younger man. So when, just a, a tangent, when you've done this yeah. before, have you yeah. always had an audience or is this the first time with a no, no, I have all, uh, all of the times I've been with an audience. This has been, or this will be the most personal, norsified version of it. Okay. Um, but there's always been things that I've done, like inherently as an individual, to try and make it my experience. I don't necessarily like engaging with the crowd, only because it's all ritual carries a certain amount of performance, right? You know, it's 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 as much about the individual practitioner as it is about coming into the community. And and we, you know, we 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 see this in a lot of the the historical stuff that discusses it. You've got personal private rituals for, you know, it's just you and me, we're hanging out, we're having family dinner. We've got the thing we do there for our household, for our space. Um, and there's even acknowledgements during the post conversion or during the conversion period and after where uh, there's a, uh, like a Christian bishop and he's going around, and he's visiting the farmsteads and he goes to go into this one. And they're like, well, no, we're conducting a private heathen set of rites here because we don't know you because you're not established and familiar with with not just uh you know the, the vater of the area the land spirits of the area but with our personal gods within our home like this is a sacred space for us you're actually not coming in mate you yeah. know or the, the, the most polite way of saying get fucked yeah 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 um, in, a, in a culture that otherwise you know would invite you yes, in absolutely if, if, yeah, yeah. The, the laws of hospitality i think yeah. are quite um quite extensive you know it's an honor-based culture and and those sorts of things are very important yeah, I think it's fair to remember as well. Rituals don't have to be hanging yourself from a tree. No, like we all have our own. <laughs> we all have our own rituals that we do, like on a daily basis. We, you know, we do things a certain way, or we have to do things before. Yeah, you. Yeah. You know, everyone has their own little quirks, whether it's lucky socks, lucky pants, or or whatever. Everyone, <laughs> everyone has that little thing that they have Sacred to do. Objects. Yeah, yeah. but like yeah. Eddie, Eddie, the guy that works for the company, like he has these little things where he every time he locks the the business, he has to like check the door four times. Four times exactly, every single time, like to make, and say like little things like that. That's like his little ritual he does. Every time he loses, every time he leaves, sorry, checks the door four times. Right. And we all have like these little things, oh, I assume, that we do, that we have through our lives. So, um, you gave a talk earlier here yes. at Midgard Sport, the Mimia Talks, and that was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, similar things that you're, we're talking about now, of course. Um, and you, you got into the subject of like uh, knowledge from the dead. And also, this is, of course, in the self-hanging ritual that Odin performs in, in Runatal, in, uh, in Halvamal. 
uh, we're supposed to understand that he dies and 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 receives knowledge. Where are well, you going with this? Uh, <laughs> Please <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's fine. I've already died once. This is you know, the second. <laughs> so so w what a lot of these rituals uh, do uh, is is tampering essentially with this like the, the, the limits between life and death. Yeah, absolutely. So you you so the idea of. Um, so it's a shame you weren't at the talk, but that, that's cool. So one oh, of, don't help me like that on my own, on my own <laughs> Actually, he was still trying. <laughs> so one of the examples that I used as a like a sort of a reference piece. Um, so in Vavtrudnismal, Odin is uh, so he goes to the the, the Jotun Vavtrud, and he has you know a, a battle of the wits. You know, like let's see who who yeah. is the wisest of all, and the winner gets to keep his head he gets to leave the hole alive so it's there's a lot of really interesting ideas and concepts in in that particular poem like uh so looking at the laws of hospitality you know this is um you know this, this is a, a, a probably like a very significant player in terms of um you know power structures and hierarchy for for the Jotun you know because he's still alive after their entire regime has been displaced by Odin and uh, the Aesir and so Odin is going into hostile territory to visit a hostile ruler in a hostile ruler's realm to do cognitive battle with him. Um, and so he acknowledges that, you know, there's, 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 there's something here I need to know about and I have no other mechanism for obtaining it. So I'm willing to put my life on the line and cross the boundary between, you know, the world that I've created that is a world of, of, of order and rules and structure. And I'm, I'm going into this sort of no man's land where there's no guarantee I'm going to come back again. And but I'm, just, sorry, yeah. just, no, no, I just wanted to add, this is also highlighted in the beginning of the poem because Frigg is actually worried about yes. Odin going there. So she knows what's going on, right? She knows that's a, that's a really interesting interpretation of what is actually happening in Vathunismal because I feel like there's a lot of scholars who haven't uh been successful at really explaining the situation you know and and i feel that if you look at it in terms of a ritual where you know you're putting yourself on the line like that that it makes a lot of sense what's actually going on there it's not to say i'm right <laughs> but you know I, that's that's based on you know the the places and the frames of mind that I, you know, I like to explore and wander through. Yeah. It's that, that's the one that makes the most sense for me. So when you were talking before about, you know, doesn't have to be like up on hooks yeah. or, you know, like cutting your own hands off or your own eye out or whatever. Absolutely. And I was at, at, at pains to, to sort of, um, and I don't know that I successfully articulated that in the talk, but to try and communicate that, yeah, like it's for the individual practitioner, it's really up to you to decide what level you're comfortable with, what makes sense for you in terms yeah. of your circumstances. I mean, I would love to go and slaughter 90 head of oxen to like really honor the gods, but like, I've got three kids and a mortgage. You know? I can't fucking afford 90 oxen. So it's, so it's about, it's partly about working within your own limitations, but then also understanding that there are some borders and some boundaries that like you have to be willing you to could, break you could start a gofundme for that okay. stuff man <laughs> <laughs> buy me my oxen i will start my farm <laughs> okay so i you feed so, people with the oxen i feel oh, like you, maybe you could get the the support none of it will go to waste a lot of this makes makes uh, a lot of sense to me because uh you know in a in a world that has been created through the slaughter of a being, right? Um, ritual sacrifice in, in one way or another, blood, uh, spilling blood, 
becomes integral to maintaining that world yes. order. That's what we see in the creation story, at least in in. For instance, in Vathrunismal, that's it's re- referenced there. We have it in Grimnismal, and then of course Snaristurdusson's version in in uh, the prose Edda. And um, this brings me to this subject again of like retrieving knowledge and 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 gaining access to knowledge. The the uh, the myth of of the meat of poetry is a great example of how sacrifice and knowledge. Mm. You know, come together and you know we have Kvasir who is this uh, man that has been created from the spittle of all the gods and he is the wisest person on, uh, on earth and he goes through the entire cosmos he visits with everybody we're told until he ends with the dwarves and they kill him and drain him for the blood and then can't have anything nice and then you get the meat of poetry out of that so that that is essentially explaining to us that you have to go underground where the dwarves live. You have to go to the underworld to retrieve mm. knowledge. Death is part of retrieving that knowledge, and bloodletting is part of retrieving that knowledge. And so it, it essentially, in that sense, I'd say mimics aspects of the creation myth. Well, right. the, the dead. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm of the perspective the dead actually tend to be quite reticent you know they want to mm-hmm. like we, we we see in like the the like the the mythic corpus they want to hold on to this knowledge we're in um uh it's either in volaspa or volaspa and skama mm-hmm. um and the you know the the resurrected uh volva actually, actually sort of says like you know I, I i don't really want to get up like i don't yeah I don't want to share this information, partly out of, you know, obviously a lot of bad shit will go down if she does. Um, but I've always been fascinated by the idea, too, that what further price is there for the dead to pay mm-hmm. if they reveal their secrets? And yeah. unfortunately, you know, we, we, we don't really have anything that sort of speaks to that. Right, they're dead. <laughs> we can't yeah. go after them. <laughs> well, at least not without a ritual. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a good point, but it also highlights the danger involved, right, and and the risk involved um, when you put yourself through these types of rituals, yeah. right? And um, I, I actually I, I I remember at the talk there was somebody who was. Uh, talking about how they use water and mead yeah. in rituals, uh, and I, I, I was thinking that it's actually quite interesting to see how water, mead, and blood are commutable substances. For instance, in the creation myth and the, the myth of the mead of poetry as well. So it, it looks like you know because like water, for instance, is is called you know. Um, you know, especially the ocean is referred to as like Mimia's, as not Mimia, Emia's blood, and and um, the, the the wound juice <laughs> of Emia and stuff like that. So, so they, even wise. Yes, so they 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 knew this. They uh, they 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 had thought about these things in those terms. I would say in many ways. So it, yeah, this this makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember going to say this. You said moon juice, right? Right. Wound. Wound. Oh, I thought you said womb juice. I thought it was womb juice, and I was like, that's it's still elemental. I was like, that's a very descriptive way to put it. I was like, I get it, but it's but what the hell? Yeah, it's like that's not what I would how I describe it. How better to sluice the entryway for the new world? I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I don't think we're we... ever going to get a date after this. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so um, I think like we've alluded to it a little bit, but not spoken about the actual hanging. How's that going to work? Because you're not going to hang yourself by your neck. Obviously. No, 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 no. So there is <laughs> the very significant acknowledgement, like I am but a mere mortal and yeah. kind of only like a bit of an excuse for one of that sometimes. And you would like to go home. I would like to go home. I've got, you know, I've got three amazing yeah. children back home and I, you know, work and all that other jazz. Yeah. Um, so... So th th this is where I suppose we sort of, you know, in talking about the ways in which, you know, we, we explore risk, we confront risk, we engage with it, but it has to be on your terms. Like Odin is, you know, he's a, he's a god, you know, he's, and particularly, and this is one of the things I find so wonderful about his, his story is that he's, you know, as a psychopomp, as a, he's a god of the dead, but then after Ragnarok, he becomes a, at least I, I think, he becomes a dead god. I, I discussed this with um, Jonas and uh, Terry last year in Reykjavik. Yeah. And Jonas says, oh, no, I, you know, sort of that's, you know, one, one and done or words to that effect. Whereas Terry's much more of a, the perspective that, um, you know, these, these sort of later folkloric legends about uh, Oscar, the, the wild hunt. <laughs> The, the central figure leading that is, is so easily identifiable with Odin. And, and I like the idea that, you know, he's given so much to try and preserve uh, Asgard and Midgard and, and try and, you know, hang on to the order and the civilization and culture he's built. That even in giving like the ultimate sacrifice of himself to, to Fenrir is, is, you know, he dies in battle. Not all of him, but, but parts of him continue on, you know, elements not, not in the entirety, you know, he's probably like a, the, the remnants of what he was, but there's elements of that energy still sort of oh, coursing yeah. around. No, 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 that's so great. Like that, that fits again with the creation myth. I'd like to come back to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like that used to be an assembled body that existed and then it's, you know, taken apart and those remnants still exist that's that's the that's the soil right yeah. that's that's the trees that's the sky it's it's all of it no it makes perfect sense i like i like that interpretation a lot <laughs> yeah. but i want to know how you're gonna sorry, yes so okay sorry so we have practical details we're gonna get to the gruesome bit <laughs> the all right so uh so the body is prepared through various mechanisms mm -hmm. uh we take stainless steel um like surgical mm -hmm. cylinders right and they're sort of cut off at like a 45 degree angle okay. and they're sort of chamfered and sterilized and whatever else so they take the flesh and they pull it forward mm -hmm. and they pierce through okay. and then that creates a funnel they follow that through with the actual hook so i've normally i go up on um uh, chamfered polished shark hooks um but there's some like some really cool nifty new ring that uh, one of the bme guys came up yeah. with and um Al, the, uh, the we've tried Alan it before. Didn't... It's not the first well, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, yeah. So he said, oh, look, we might try these ones because uh, it's a little bit less. <laughs> Fuck no. Little bit less pressure around the edges of the entry and exit wounds. Don't listen to anyone that says we might try this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it's, has to be like it's... we've tried these before. We no, they, they've they've played with them before. I've never used them on my own form, but it's I'm a bit of an adventure okay. guy. So <laughs> okay. So, so uh, they pass through the hooks. Then that gets connected to rigging. They've got a whole like pulley and. Um, tensioned off strap system affixed to the beams in Guilds Holland. So we're actually, we were originally going to use a tree um, very oh, much for, yeah. So, yeah. So there's some um, logistics. Okay. Incongruencies, we'll say. Um, so a stage got erected perhaps a little bit 
too close to one of the trees. Okay, okay. And then the other spot's covered in ants and the branches look a little bit flimsy and I'm not really keen on, you know, falling from three meters and smashing no, my knees out. No. Got a lot of hiking to do here in Norway before I head back. Uh, so it's been, so it's been shifted into Guildhall. <laughs> no, same <Samuel. laughs> Um But having said that, so at first there's like, oh, you know, like we planned on the tree, it was gonna be like a really nice, like natural mm-hmm. elemental motif. Um, and obviously like you know, perfect for, for Runatol, you know, emulative of um, mm-hmm. Yggdrasil, the great ash. But the Hall is still constructed from timber. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I also really like the idea of, um, you know, the, the sense of experience and immersion that comes from one, the community, obviously, um, but two, the old cult houses. So, uh, you know, Saxo, Adam of Bremen. Um, I think there's even something in uh, Theodoricus about the idea that, um, so if we go back to the, the, the old Roman sources, Tacitus in his Germania is like quite emphatic, you know, they're, they're all woolly bully wild Germans and they worship these funny gods and they only ever do it outside. They have no temples, they have no sacred houses, which is, I think, kind of like a fairly big amount of bullshit because we've got, we've got enough there in the archaeological record to indicate that there were cult houses. Not necessarily huge and not necessarily everywhere, right. but there's, there's enough there. So... The idea of, um, you know, sort of like a, my own personal sort of Gamla Uppsala is, is oh, yeah. yeah, it's so there's a lot of appeal to that. I imagine you get a nice atmosphere inside as well. Oh, absolutely. Like it's going to intensify all the emotions, all the feelings. It'll trap it's the trap sound, it it'll trap the energy. So, you know, I mean, if you think about it, when you go to a gig, right, mm. and, and you go to a big stadium gig and you see you know, Iron Maiden or someone in there, and they're brilliant, but it's there's a little bit of a disconnect. Oh, yeah. If you're in a room with like 200 people, and they're this far away and you like and you can see the perspiration like and you can see sometimes like that that sense of otherness you know that sense of like the uh, the ecstatic passion that comes across them and to be able to feed into that energy and play off it and use it is is also a big part of this ritual you know i can't get there on my own no i i I totally (laughs) agree and you know i think uh speaking of iron maiden that's probably one of the most boring and disappointing concerts <laughs> I've ever been to. So yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> so how many hooks do they use? Just two. Just two? Just two. Fuck me, I don't think there'll be enough hooks there's for me. A way, there's, there is a, there is a, a, a weight to tensile strength ratio that okay. needs to be observed. Because you, you you're talking a, about surface area. There was a guy, so many years ago, um, I did one uh, back home in this, um, it's this lovely sort of, park area near where i live called black button they've got like an animal sanctuary there now uh wetlands it's it's awesome it's really 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 lovely and we picked a tree there and um and there was a a, a more beefy gentleman i was quite i was quite rail thin oh, yeah. look at my teeth when you say this not me he's very tall he was a bigger guy um and look, he gave it his all and he got up on his tiptoes and in the end, it was so intense. He actually could, could not willingly lift his own feet off the ground. And, and he, was, he was shattered. He like walked away really immensely disappointed because yeah. he, he knew how much the experience meant to him. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a reasonably good idea of what he was going to get out of it. And to not be able to follow through is, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... Image is terrifying. Yeah. So do you, 
do you just get hoisted up or do you make the conscious no, choice I to make lift the conscious, your feet that's up. a very intentional and deliberate yeah. thing and so um, so plug for Smurfkirken uh, they are Norway's greatest <laughs> practitioners of suspension work what a, um, what a fucking name I know it's so good Pain <laughs> Church yeah well, is it. that what it is yeah, yeah Church just, just just hearing it in English I'm like that's a fuck Smurfkirken I'm like what the fuck is that Alan you know they're, they're just the most lovely people and they're you know they're, they're very accomplished very experienced practitioners they know their stuff which yeah. is why i'm really comfortable about doing Good. it with them um but yeah they're, they're, a vision of them like pulling you up even if you were like kicking no, and screaming it's like no, fucking no, you're going no, up no. so, so they're, they're really good because they've they've spent a lot of time like we've been zooming back and forth you know because i've you know well been home in australia yeah, discussing okay what's what's the space like what are the the steps like what do each of the rights look like you know hand don't, signals don't change safety the location signals. days before you're going to do it mm-hmm. yeah that's all right but but they were cool they were just able to roll with it yep sweet no worries mm-hmm. Good. Cool. Sounds sounds fun. <laughs> it does. Um, last thing to try. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Matej, last thing. Um, do we know how Odin hanged himself? Does it say by the, specifically by the neck, or well, could so it be is, something like this? This has been a long conversation between nitpicky scholars mm-hmm. for a couple hundred years. Like, there are those who believe that this hanging is essentially just like a nordic uh version of jesus on the cross which i can't say that i support yeah uh even even if it is in in some ways borrowed like the motif of a god hanging on something is borrowed from from good old jesus um it has definitely gotten an entirely different context yeah uh in 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 nordic mythology um and then there's there's the <laughs> this funny you know usually it's philologists so uh, <laughs> you know, these guys who who spend a lot of time reading books in an armchair and never really getting out there among the people uh, who have been discussing well does he hang in his feet or does he hang by his neck because he reaches down and takes up the runes. So that's got to mean that he's hanging upside down so that he can reach down. And it's like, like, guys, um, do you think it really matters what the physical limitations are here? We're dealing with a god hanging on on a tree, going through this ritual and everything. Well, it's so, also a metaphysical space. Like the idea yes. that it's, you know, there's not just like some carved runes sitting there on the ground. No, like the, the idea that he's who, taking up knowledge not necessarily a, like a corporeal yeah, physical object exactly and also like if 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 we're you know rolling with the sort of like the logics of all of this is like well who put the runes there yeah, in the first exactly. place was it carl over there in the corner it's like <laughs> oh you've you've been there long enough so now i'm gonna put the runes here yeah 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 but that's that's sort of like the uh the, the curious discussions you get in in uh, the field of uh, old norse philology in particular i feel there's something much more cool hanging by hooks out of your chest yeah. there. <laughs> and like if you i've never thought that like that could be something similar for like odin like hanging with these hooks and it's yeah. very it's metal. It's pretty it's fucking metal, metal, man. Better than metal feet, I guess. <laughs> if you uh, if you un- unpack, um, it's recovered in the talk. So uh, some of the the word choices, the conjugations of the the verbs around it indicate. You know, there's this sense. It's he's talking about Yggdrasil, and it's a lot of the translators go to the windy tree, and then when they use uh, heck for for hanging or, or hung in the past mm-hmm. tense. 
there's, I, I think it, cr it creates a, like a really nice sort of visuospatial, like a mental picture. He's, he's swaying and, and that, that motif there, we see in other saga literature when they talk about, like actually say, I put a noose around his neck and he, mm. I'd hung him dead, you know, the yeah. punishment for uh, outlaws, Skogamata, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're on display and you're, it's just your corpse sort of swaying in the breeze. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, very much of the perspective. No, he, he was proper like, the, he is the gallo god, you know, he's the yeah. gallo rot, you know, even uh, Yggdrasil is, you know, the, the steed or the horse or the gallows mm -hmm. of the, the terrible one. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with that. I think that's a, that's a good note to end on, <laughs> the, the, the gallows of the terrible one. That's, that's it, pretty yeah. metal. It is, yeah. Thank you very much. Very well. uh, Thank you so much for joining our us. First ever, our yeah. first remote guest, I guess. <laughs> Just, yeah, we're trying out some new stuff. Hopefully it's yeah. Um, yeah, and you'll have to come join us properly. I say properly. Yeah. The, the old-fashioned Zoom way. For a longer would, time. We'd love to. Yeah, when you're back, guys. we can have beer i know you're fasting right now before the <laughs> so race, hungry. So, yeah so we can is that, is that so you don't put on weight so the hooks don't break <laughs> just in case you have like a big big meal beforehand um yeah come come and talk to us we'll have a, a longer chat and like say have a have a drink and yeah. hang out a little bit more i'll be but looking yeah. forward to it thank you thank, thank you, you very much, much. yeah uh, will you go prepare always a pleasure, always a pleasure. <laughs> and, yeah there we go yeah cool